Good morning, everyone. You're tuning into the news, a morning mixtape. It is Wednesday, October 11th, and I'm your host, Mariana Schretze, reporting from Met Radio 1280 AM in Toronto. And here are our top stories from today. Thousands of GM workers at Ontario plants begin a strike. Hundreds of people gather in downtown Toronto for pro-Palestinian rally. In the Burlington area, invasive and modern version of crayfish is discovered. And in Afghanistan, deadly earthquake leaves over a thousand people dead. And then we'll hear from Samina with a new episode of Turn the Page. With all this news, let's get started. Canada's largest union, Unifor, which represents employees at the big three automakers, hoped to get a deal recently, but they weren't able to reach an agreement with GM by their deadline. According to the Financial Post, Unifor hopes to achieve a deal similar to the one ratified by Ford Motor Co. of Canada's workers last month. That deal included wage increases of almost 80% in some cases and productivity bonuses of up to $10,000 for full-time workers. Unifor National President Lana Payne said at a press conference on Tuesday that they tried bargaining with GM for a better deal, though they didn't arrive at a satisfactory agreement. So they're now on strike. GM Canada President and Managing Director Marisa West said the company presented Uniform with a record economic offer, but that there are some outstanding items that need to be resolved at the bargaining table. Still according to the Financial Post, Unifor's work stoppage means that GM is now facing work stoppage both in the United States and in Canada. In the U.S., United Auto Workers members have been on strike at the Big Three since September 15th. In Ontario, Unifor's strike includes auto workers at three Ontario plants in Oshawa, St. Catharines, and Woodstock. Aside from pension improvements and wage hikes, Unifor is asking that more temporary employees be given permanent work status so that they can get better job security. Payne is confident of getting a similar agreement as the one Ford agreed to, but she said it's going to be a challenge. Now, with some more updates on the Israeli-Palestinian war this Monday in Toronto, Thousands gathered downtown to participate in a pro-Palestinian rally. According to the Toronto Star, demonstrators carrying Palestinian flags and signs began the peaceful march by walking around the pool in Nathan Phillips Square by City Hall, chanting Free Palestine. The rally then marched north on Bay Street, which was close to traffic. Police presence at the rally included officers on bicycles on Nathan Phillips Square, while a black police SUV on Queen Street with a roof-mounted camera scanned the crowd. At one point, as the marchers neared Queen Street, there was a verbal confrontation between one of the marchers and a woman carrying an Israeli flag. In a press conference early in the day, Deputy Chief Lauren Polk said Toronto Police Service is preparing for a large-scale demonstration involving hundreds, if not thousands, of people. Polk said, We are facilitating a peaceful protest, adding that the police have also increased their presence at places of worship, community centers, and schools, which is considered the typical police response to word events, according to her. And still according to the Star, Polk said the city did not issue a permit for the demonstration in Nathan Phillips Square. In a statement before the event, Mayor Olivia Child denounced the planned Nathan Phillips Square rally, which she accused of, quote, glorifying violence against Israeli citizens by Hamas. Child wrote on X, formerly Twitter, I am receiving updates from the chief of police, who assures me they will investigate and address any suspected instance of hate. Well, still in Ontario, an invasive species of self-replicating crayfish has been found in Ontario waters. 
It's believed the animals have been created in captivity. According to the Toronto Sun, the prohibited marbled crayfish, also known as marble crabs, was discovered for the first time in the wild in Canada earlier this year in a Burlington area pond. As read a statement released by the Ontario Ministry of Natural Resources and Forestry, or MNRF, in August. No known wild species of marbled crayfish exist and is believed to have originated through the aquarium trade in 1995. The marbled crayfish is regulated under the Invasive Species Act, one of more than 30 species with that designation, and are illegal to import, possess, release, transport, breed, grow, buy or sell in Ontario, according to the MNRF statement. According to the MNRF, this version of crayfish is a mutant with the ability to reproduce quickly and is capable of cloning itself, which means only one could be responsible for starting a new population. This species, which resembles a miniature lobster, is medium-sized, about 3 to 10 centimeters in length, with a body that can be dark brown, tan, brown-green, or sometimes blue, always with marble patterning. The MNRF is asking anyone who has seen the invasive species in the wild to call the toll-free invading species hotline at 1-800-563-7711. And in international news, an earthquake hit Afghanistan and has left more than a thousand people dead. According to the BBC, rescuers are digging for survivors of the earthquake that flattened whole villages in Afghanistan. The 6.3 magnitude quake struck Saturday morning in Herat province, a barren landscape filled with mud brick homes. Aid, delayed by blocked routes and communication lines being down, only started to trickle in on Monday. There are fears that the death toll could be much higher than a thousand. According to the UN Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, the quake hit Zindajan, a rural district some 40 kilometers from Herat city where 100% of homes are estimated to have been completely destroyed. The Taliban government has said quake survivors are in urgent need of food, drinking water, medicine, clothes, and tents for shelter. shelter. Several aid agencies have dispatched help, including the Afghan Red Cross Society, MSF, WFB, and UNICEF. But the agencies say the cash-strapped country needs more aid. Well, that was it for me today, and now I'll leave you with Samina for a book recommendation on her segment, Turn the Page. Hello listeners, welcome back to Turn the Page. My name is Samina. Each week I'm going to make a book recommendation and I hope it gets you turning the pages. Warning, the content in this segment may be distressing to listeners. Discretion is advised. When you hear the word serial killer, what comes to mind? The famous monikers given to the notorious. You know who isn't infamous? The people who lost their lives. The title of the book is Bright Young Women. The author is Jessica Knoll. Jessica wrote this book after hearing tapes from a special on Netflix. She was surprised to hear the judge's words when sentencing the defendant. Jessica filed a Freedom of Information Act request and was shocked to learn about the entire exchange. The defendant is how Jessica refers to him in her book. The judge said during his sentencing that he is a bright young man and that the judge would have loved to see him in the courtroom, but he went a different way. There were no references to the more than 30 women he murdered. Jessica's research, especially eyewitness accounts, uncovered that the defendant was not intelligent. He falsified documents to get into law school where he couldn't keep up and was close to failing out. 
When he approached women, he would invade their personal space and pretend to be injured. Women are constantly told to be polite, kind, helpful, to smile. So when he approached women, they would acquiesce and help him, not because they wanted to. These women would notice that everyone was uncomfortable around this man. They got the feeling that something wasn't right with him. Yet society ingrains us to help, so we do. They went off to help him and they were never seen again, except for the one woman who was able to escape. In Bright Young Women, Jessica alters the judge's words to write about two women. Pamela, she is a pre-law student at Florida State University and head of her sorority. She has a 4.4 GPA and the sorority under her guidance has raised the most money and completed the most volunteer hours. Four women are attacked one night and two are murdered, including Denise, Pamela's best friend. Pamela is the only one to see the defendant. The second woman is Ruth, who is struggling after her divorce and the death of her father. She meets a woman named Tino who changes her life and forces her to live life on her own terms. This is the story of the women who are impacted by the defendant who join forces to find him and bring justice to the women who are often forgotten or never mentioned at all. This is a decades old case and still while there are movies, books, tapes, documentaries, they're not about the women who lost their lives. Hopefully this is one book that's a step in the right direction. If you find there's a book you want to read immediately, check with your local library and don't forget to check Overdrive for a digital copy. You can also check your local independent bookstore. If you enjoyed this book and want to share your thoughts or make a recommendation, please find us on Instagram at MetRadio. Thank you for listening. Happy reading. With this, let's wrap up our news for this morning. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Come back tomorrow for more news and morning mixtape.